Behold, a gateway to your own past, if you wish. For you, among all men, I hold in the highest esteem. You must know that I consider you the greatest American alive. Let us toast ourselves with this team and declare that the world is infinitely better off because of us. <laughs> History is strange, it's alien, and it won't give us what we would like to have. It's Hour 3 of Bill McLive on a Tuesday, the 16th of May, 2023. The McPherson Financial Group is our sponsor. We've been on a tour of the East Coast this morning, starting in Tallahassee, going to Washington, D.C., and now we're going to head to Philadelphia. Well, I've been the tour guide for the first two legs of the trip. Our tour guide for the Philadelphia portion is Dave Bowman with Dave Does History on Bill McLive. Dave, joining us from Silverdale, Washington. Hey, Dave, good morning. How are you, my friend? I'm better than horses at Churchill Downs. How's that? So is everybody else, apparently. (laughs) Um, You've been with us for the last hour, maybe a little more than that, uh, listening in on everything that's been going on. Trust the big focus here that in institutions and people, there's a lack of integrity generally about what was going on. Were they facing this at the founding of the country? I mean, have people really changed? Just the technology around us and the travel has changed, right? Do you mean has politics uh, interfered with the ability to self-govern ourselves? Uh, Yeah, that would be it. Yes, which is why it was this week in 1787 that 55 men tried to make their way to Philadelphia. Most of them were not successful in getting there this week. Because in 1787 this week, there was a huge storm on the East Coast. There had been, and it's one of those storms, I used to live in Virginia. So every now and then you'd get these nor'easters that would last for five, six, seven days. Mm -hmm. And it would just inundate everything. And of course, we drove everywhere, so it wasn't that big of a deal to us. But when you're not driving, when you're riding in a carriage or on a horse or perhaps even walking, it interferes with your ability to get from point A to point B, which is what had happened this week. All the delegates were supposed to be there on on May 13th, but as of May 13th, pretty much the only ones that had showed up were the ones from Virginia and Pennsylvania because they were already right there. And it was on May 13th, 1787 this week that General Washington arrived in Philadelphia the day before the convention was supposed to start on May 14th. And when he arrived in Philadelphia, it was a big celebration, as you can imagine. Here's Mm -hmm. the most famous man, maybe even in the world at this point, uh, certainly in the United States, but but very possibly in the entire world. So he was Regis Philbin. (laughs) Yeah, in a lot of ways. (laughs) He uh, He had left Wilmington, Delaware that morning. And, and got to uh, got to Chester, three generals, two colonels, two majors, and the Secretary of War, as well as his aide de camp, all uh, all met him along the way and escorted him into Philadelphia, where there was a huge, basically a, a parade of George Washington with people cheering for him and all those kinds of things. When he got to Philadelphia, uh, he was invited to stay with the Morris family, Robert Morris, who had been the financier for the American Revolutionary War, uh, pressed him to stay with them. And immediately, as soon as he got into the streets of Philadelphia, Washington, ever 
ever the formal guy, realized that he had to go see the president of Pennsylvania. Yes, in 1787, they had a president of Pennsylvania, and guess who it was? Dr. Benjamin Franklin. Oh, wow. So as soon as they got there, he went and saw the 81-year-old Franklin, sat down and, um, and had a discussion about what was about to happen, and the changes that he felt were necessary to bring about a change in the national government system. Now, the convention, the, the Constitutional Convention, was scheduled to start the next day, May 14, 1787, but with the weather being the way it was, it wasn't going to happen. They were going to have to, as so many in the military are familiar with, hurry up and wait. That has happened. And we're back in 60 seconds with Dave Does History on Bill McLeod. Chateau Madeline, one of our sponsors on Bill McLive, it's resort-style senior living and memory care, centrally located in Suntree. Their website, give it a look, suntreeseniorliving.com. And if you've got a family member who's a resident there, you can log in, you can watch the activities, you can check in on your family members' activities and the like. Pretty uh, compelling website that they've got there. If you really want to see what Chateau Madeline is like, if you don't have someone who is residing there already, you want to call them and take a tour. If you're considering this for a loved one in your family, You've got to see the environment at Chateau Madeline. 321-701-8000. We'll let you schedule that tour. You'll find amenities like you see on a cruise ship or at a resort and a staff. Very much the same mindset in an environment that the seniors who live there enjoy that interaction. The staff loves what they do at Chateau Madeline. It's a place where life can get better with a real beautiful home and first-class nursing care. Locally owned, centrally located in Suntree. Your senior loved one deserves a home like Chateau Madeline. So, Dave, we're preparing for the Constitutional Convention. It's the day before, and we're supposed to start the next day. I'm taking it based on the weather that we're going to be delayed a little bit. Oh, yeah, we're going to be delayed almost 10 days before everything really gets going because people can't get there, except for the Virginians and the Pennsylvanians and a couple of, uh, I think there's one guy from Delaware that's there. But as a general rule of thumb, the only people here are, are Virginians. Now, the real question, Bill, is how did we get here? Because we didn't just pop up, roll out of bed one morning and go, oh, you know what? Our government sucks. Let's have a convention. That's not what happened. There were actually two meetings that happened a little over a year before the Constitutional Convention of 1787. The first was actually just a, a friendly get-together at George Washington's house, Mount Vernon in Virginia. He was upset because there were some real issues with the state of Maryland and Virginia. Maryland and Virginia were actually ready to start shooting each other over navigation rights on the Potomac River. And he thought, wow. well, well, this is stupid. And so he had a meeting thinking, maybe I can resolve this. He couldn't, which led to a second meeting in Annapolis, Maryland, in September of 1786. Now, the purpose of that meeting, the actual stated purpose of it was to, quote, remedy defects of the federal government. But, as so often happens, only five states bothered to show up, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Virginia. Maryland didn't even bother. The, the primary issues that were facing the nation in 1786, state protectionist trade barriers. Each state, because the national government had no authority to regulate trade or commerce between the states, where mm-hmm. we heard that phrase before, oh yeah, interstate commerce. Because that didn't exist, each state set up its own regulations about trade between states. 
So imagine that. Imagine two states, say Maryland and Pennsylvania, and having different rules before the trade for those two states and the trade between Massachusetts and New York, and so forth and so on. George Washington had also hit on another idea. He wanted to connect via a canal the Ohio and Potomac Rivers so that we could, you know, increase trade. And there were actually rebellions popping up all over the states. The biggest one was Shays Rebellion, which had started in August of 1787, or sorry, 86, and would continue until February of 87, which would actually have a direct effect later on on the Constitutional Convention as the Shays Rebellion issues faded down, wound down. The convention would actually take note of that, and you can actually see some of the echoes of that in Article 1 of the of the uh, the Constitution that they would propose. Now, New Jersey took the lead in Annapolis because they went there understanding that these economic issues touch on other aspects of the entirety of the Confederation. Every What's the phrase, Bill? It's the economy, stupid? Mm-hmm. New Jersey understood that. The other states didn't seem to grasp that this was really all about the economy. And if they didn't fix this, well, things were going to go bad. Already, you had states ready to shoot at each other. You had some states, Delaware, threatening to sign its own treaty of uh, alliance with European powers. So imagine that, if you will. A state saying, yeah, we're going to be allied with France, and we're going to have French troops on our soil next to Maryland or Virginia or wherever. And imagine how that would make everybody feel. Well, it, 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 was a, it was a complete and total mess. And this is the problem with the Articles of Confederation, which was the first constitution of the United States government. It wasn't the founding of the country, but it was the founding of our government. The, the Articles of Confederation, which, you know, I mean, they're, they're a pretty libertarian idea. And, and confederations are one of those things that libertarian-leaning, not, not libertarian party, but libertarian thinking tends to lean into. The problem with them is, is that they never work, ever. No confederation has ever survived because they all run into the same problem, which is what the Americans were running into, which was that when everybody does what's right in their own eyes, as the scripture says, chaos mm-hmm. ensues. And, and you had more- And their self-interest governs what they did. Yes, and and you end up with economic issues where one state is, I wouldn't say screwing over another state, but they're not exactly, you know, helping. There's no there's no incentive to a national feeling of things. There's no incentive to to cooperate with one another because why would you? So to answer your first question, yes, politics entered the nation in 1786. And in 1787 as well. That is interesting. And uh, we'll see where, well, where it led them. I'm not sure we can even tell where it's led us yet, but we'll continue to pursue it with Dave Bowman. And Dave does history here on Bill McLive. We'll let you in in our last segment of the hour. So if you've got questions or concerns about where all of this is going and where it may have taken us today, well, it'll all tie together at some point. It's what we do. Dave does history every Tuesday here on Bill McLive. Glad you're along for the ride as we tour the East Coast on WMMB.
history like you've never heard it. It's Dave Does History on Bill Live. The McPherson Financial Group bringing you this hour of the show. Dave Bowman joining us with a look at the uh, founding of the nation. Dave, we are trying to get a constitutional convention going, but the Confederation has issues. Where are we sitting on this thing? Well, and, and we're not even really trying to get a constitution. you got to understand that on May, this week in May of 1787, there's literally only one person in the entire world who actually thinks that this is a constitutional convention. Everybody else thinks this is just to fix the problems with the Articles of Confederation. And that person is, of course, James Madison. The problems with confederations, and if you were to go read the Articles of Confederation, you would, you would kind of, you might be surprised at how similar it is. You'd be surprised at some of the stuff that's in there, like the three-fifths compromise that is so criticized of the Constitution is actually in the Articles of Confederation. It comes from there. The, the problems with, conf- with confederations are well known, and they are always the same. And it all comes down to the central government, whatever that is, has no authority to command its constituent parts to cooperate. So it doesn't – the Congress of the United States in 1787 was essentially powerless. They couldn't do anything. Vermont – You're making it sound darn attractive, Dave. Yeah. Vermont wanted to be a state. Vermont had everything it needed to be a state, but there was no mechanism to make them a state. Same with Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky mm. will actually almost derail the ratification of the Constitution later because they want to make sure that they get to be a state. Uh, the, the whole Northwest Territory issue, slavery, all these issues are problems. And because the central government has no authority, what this has caused is the U.S., the United States, to be in violation of the treaty with Great Britain that ended the Revolutionary War. Because the government signed the treaty, but the states are like, we're not doing that. <laughs> you got treaties with Spain, right? But mm-hmm. even though you have a treaty with Spain, Spain has said no to U.S. navigation on the Mississippi River. So we have no way of moving goods down the Mississippi River. We can't build an army. We have no adequate forces to defend the borders of the United States. In fact, Britain, because we're in violation of the treaty, Britain refuses to remove its forts from inside the United States. They're occupying forts inside the United States because we're not keeping our agreements. Which means that if they wanted to, well, we could go back to war again. We don't really have a navy. We have some privateers, but we don't really have the means of building a navy. The nation is massively in debt, but we have no way of paying it because we can't command these other or these other states to pay their debts. And the states are like, mm, I'm not paying that. So they don't. And this means that other nations, France, England, Spain, Belgium, well, there was no Belgium then, you know, Prussia, whoever, nobody will sign treaties with us for the sake of commerce or security because we're a bunch of deadbeats. And nobody wants to deal with us because we're a, we're a completely disorganized mess. We're a confederation, and confederations always fail. And they always fail one of two ways, Bill. They either fail violently, they get because the central government can't defend itself, and so you end up with you know an invasion or whatever that mm-hmm. ends up destroying it, or they fail peacefully because everybody just says, well, what's the point of this? 
and they go their own way because there's no sense in maintaining this. Was there relative prosperity in the states for the times that they were in? No. Some states were very well off. New York was extremely well off under the leadership of George Clinton. Some states were doing reasonably well, Virginia. And some states were just suffering miserably, Georgia and some of the others. There was no equity. And this was, of course, Massachusetts was a mess. Massachusetts was seeing rebellions, people actually shooting at each other because it was so economically uh, depressed and there didn't seem to be any way out of it because even the state's governments to some degree were confederations as well. So it was just a complete and utter mess. And that was why the Annapolis Conference met in the first place. But with only five states there, what can they really do? That's kind of the question. And it left them really with only one option. The McPherson Financial Group, this hour's sponsor of Bill McLive. Speaking of uh, being well off financially, whether you're well off or whether you're not, you've got to prepare for your retirement, and it takes a plan to do that. That's why I trust Art McPherson and the folks at the McPherson Financial Group to help me prepare for any retirement I may have. Not that I'm planning on leaving anytime soon, because I'm not, but having that in reserve and ready to go and growing for you when that time comes is wise, and they'll help you get there. Call the McPherson Financial Group at 321 321- Two five three twenty sixteen, or see them online at mcphersonfinancialgroup.com. The McPherson Financial Group LLC is a financial services firm. They offer a broad array of products and services, including insurance and annuities. They're licensed in Florida. They do compensate me for the endorsement, but they do handle my financial planning, and uh, it would be well worth your effort to give them a call. Free initial consultation and a comparison of what you're doing now to what you need to be doing to be ready, all with the McPherson Financial Group. Dave Bowman with us as Dave does history. So we've decided we're going to have a little uh, conference and uh, we're in Annapolis. What's going on, Dave? So the Annapolis conference really, because only five states show up, doesn't really have much of an option. But what they come up with at the pushing of New Jersey, who understands that it's the economy, stupid, they recommend a more general conference. Let's have a bigger conference. Let's push it off about six to eight months to make sure everybody understands this and can get there and we can organize this whole thing. And oh, by the way, let's do it in Philadelphia in June, starting in May, but we'll do it, you know, May, June, because Philadelphia is more centralized. And of course, nobody figured on the weather being bad. And nobody thought about the fact that in Philadelphia in June, before the invention of air conditioning, hot as Dickens, with a Independence Hall right next door to the local jail, was <laughs> a smelly mess, hot and smelly mess. Now, the purpose of the convention, the general convention in May of 1787, what we call the Constitutional Convention, the stated purpose is to revise the Articles of Confederation, to fix the problems that they have. But the Virginians, led by James Madison, have other ideas. They're thinking a more general, just a complete revision of the government. And... While they haven't said what their plans are, enough of their plans are getting out that people are getting concerned about what's going to happen here. Samuel Adams, the famous Boston Patriot, refuses to participate in, in, this con- in the Constitutional Convention. He says famously, and I quote, I smell a rat, unquote. Now, it's not clear if he was talking about Philadelphia in general or if he was <laughs> talking about the convention, but 
he was not going to participate. And of course, Rhode Island, which could be a show unto itself, we could do weeks of shows about the issues with Rhode Island, is Rhode Island is the problem. That's what you need to understand about Rhode Island. All of these problems with the Confederation could have been solved pretty much if Rhode Island had just been done away with. There are other problems involved here, to be certain, but Rhode Island is just the worst of it all. They are manipulating currency. They are refusing everything in the Articles of Confederation requires a unanimous vote. And Rhode Island keeps voting no on everything. You want a postal road to go the length of the country? Mm, no. You want everybody to use the same money? Mm, no. What was the reason for that? They were very, very, very libertarian, Bill. Very libertarian. And they were very much in the idea of, we're a sovereign state. We're associated with you. We're in a confederation with you. But you cannot command us. Plus, they're Rhode Islanders, which, mm-hmm. you know, if we had time to spend on Rhode Island, uh, even the name Rhode Island comes from a, a, an idea that this place is either a trash dump or an obnoxious, we're going to do it our way kind of thing. Now, while the Virginians are planning their moves, the Rhode Islanders are not participating. Sam Adams is saying, I smell a rat. But for the most part, the other 12 states, they say, yeah, we, we, there are some problems here. And we'll pick it up when we continue in moments with Dave Bowman on Bill McLeod. Bill now, 321-768-1240. The McPherson Financial Group bringing you this hour. Dave Bowman with us. Dave does history every Tuesday at 8 on Bill Mick Live. And uh, anything you miss, of course, you can pick up in the podcast section at BillMick.com and on the Bill Mick Live iHeartRadio channel. Links to Dave's podcast. Dave's going to be on the road next couple of three weeks. So Dave does history will be done on Tuesday, but it'll be on Dave's podcast at thedavebowmanshow.com. Again, links at the show page at billmick.com. So we're finally getting to at least the start of a convention, Dave. What's happening now? So I told you before that the Virginians had arrived, despite yeah, the weather. And they have a plan. James Madison has a trunk full of books. Like me, he's got all, those, he's got all the same history books I have that mm-hmm. talk about republics and confederations and government dating all the way back to the Greco-Roman uh, period. But it's still not clear what he's planning to propose. He's he's being very close-lipped about this. He's not he's not telling anybody yet exactly what it is that he thinks should happen. But it is clear to pretty much everybody that this is not going to be a revision to the Articles of Confederation. This is going to be something completely new. And he's counting on Madison is really counting on having Washington's influence and to a lesser degree Dr. Franklin, Benjamin Franklin's influence because of this dinner that, that Washington has with Franklin on that very first, first night. Franklin actually writes to Thomas Jefferson, who's in Paris, indeed, if the convention does not do any good, it must do harm, as it will show that we do not have the wisdom enough among us to govern ourselves, and it will strengthen the opinion of some political writers that popular governments cannot long support themselves, unquote. 
So he's actually telling people, Franklin is already telling people, this convention has to work. And if it doesn't work, we're, we're screwed. We're yeah. Yeah. But they can't do anything because the weather hasn't cleared. The rest of the delegates are slow arriving, and they won't actually all be there until about May 25th. And George Washington actually writes these words as they are getting ready and they're waiting, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. He writes these words, quote, It is too probable that no plan that we propose will be adopted. Perhaps another dreadful conflict is to be sustained. If to please the people, we offer what we ourselves disapprove, how can we afterwards defend our work? Let us raise a standard to which the wise and honest can repair. The event is in the hands of God. And we're back with Dave Does History in 60 Seconds on Bill Mick Live. Dave Bowman with us. Dave Does History, the Constitutional Convention. Dave. It sounds like the few good men that we've got are at least there in Philadelphia, the ones we're looking for today, and they recognize this has got to be something done with integrity. It has to be something we can stand behind because we can't defend it otherwise. And it's most likely going to fail. There's, It's too probable that no plan is going to work because there's too many disparate interests. There's too many different ideas. You know, it's one of the most fascinating things to me. I, I love studying the convention, the Constitution, these kinds of things. And one of the things that people tell me all the time, Bill, is, you know, if I had been there in 1787, I would have done it differently. Well, no, you wouldn't have. And that just tells me that you don't understand what actually happened there. And we're going to spend the summer going through this convention. Why did they do certain things? Why did they not do certain things? Everybody has their issues. And at the end of it, you know, Washington is going to say, look, it's not perfect, but it's the best we can do. Here are people what do you think? You decide. And again, if we disapprove of this, how can we defend our work? Which kind of ties back to what we were talking about last hour. You know, we have to stand for what's right. We have to do what's right, even if maybe it would be easier to do something kind of not so right. But there's a lot of problems facing the country. And remember, while all of this is going on, in Massachusetts, you have a shooting rebellion going on. And they've got to get all this solved, and it's going to take they, – they had originally planned for a few weeks. It's going to take almost five months. It'll be well into September before they're ready to be done with us. Interesting. And we're back to your calls. Or did we already do that? Yeah, we already did that. Let's get to the phone. Let's go to uh, Keith in Palm Bay. Keith, you're on with Dave Diamond, Dave Bowman. Dave, I did that last week too, Dave. Go ahead, Keith. Just call him the history guy. Yeah, like we can do that. Guy. <laughs> a little, little on the heavier side, but than the science guy. But, anyways, <laughs> um, you know, I, I love history, and I, I always forget about them. Four years, they must have been real long years between '83 and '87. And I, I hear all this stuff. I, I remember that when it's talked about a Confederate uh, setup and stuff, but I always forget about it. I always instantly, be, I always think instantly we became the United States. But what you were talking about with business and all the conflicts between the states and stuff, it, it brought up a question to me, sort of like three questions. How many, do you happen to know, how many states set up their own established religion? Were there, and then the second one, during that time, were there conflicts between that, between the states because of the religion? 
uh, were they all Protestant or, and then the third one is, is how long after the, the first amendment, uh, you know, was, was uh, codified in 87, did these states, uh, disperse their, disband their state religion? Oh, those are good questions, Keith. Dave, what are you seeing in that? Yes, multiple states had their, their official religion. For example, Virginia was Anglican. Uh, Maryland, surprisingly, was Catholic. Uh, Massachusetts, Puritan. Georgia, Baptist, or Anabaptist, sorry. Um, it's kind of hard to explain. There, were no, there, there weren't really religious conflicts in, in the United States in that time frame. There was a clear understanding Jefferson had written about the clear conscience of religious freedom. And while the states had official religions, there was nobody going around saying, if you don't you know, tie to this church, we're going to beat you with sticks. That, that didn't happen. Um, the third question is, how long did it take until this went away? Well, remember that when the First Amendment was ratified— It hasn't in Utah, right? right that's true. Uh, <laughs> that's where I grew up. When the First Amendment was ratified, it did not apply to the states. It only applied to the federal government. And it isn't until 1868 with the 14th Amendment that you even have a mechanism to apply it to the states. And it isn't until—don't quote me on the date—it isn't until the early 20th century that the First Amendment's prohibition on establishment of religion is what we call incorporated against the states. So legally, it doesn't end until well into the 20th century. But— at no point in the United States did anybody really say, you know, you have to belong to this religion or or you have to move to another state. That didn't happen. Although it could have. Interesting that the religion didn't cause conflicts between states. Maybe they didn't trade with some of those states because well, didn't they cause, didn't want didn't, to do that. Yeah, it didn't cause conflict between states. Now, whether or not it caused conflicts in your community, you know, between people is a different issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly Rhode Island had some issues with some folks about things, but, but there aren't, there really aren't any, there, religion was not the issue in the United States, particularly between 83 and 87. The, the issue was the economy, which is what leads to Shays rebellion. It leads to the idea that why the heck did we throw off England? If, if the United States government, the government of Massachusetts is going to be everything that King George was and worse when it comes to suppressing our liberties and our rights. And, and that's really where, where Americans were upset. It wasn't, it wasn't as much religion. And in fact, you'll note that the Constitution, especially as initially proposed, barely scratches the, 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 even the idea of religion. They really mm-hmm. wanted to stay away from that because it really wasn't a problem. All right. Very, very good. What else do you want to know? Well, I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> if the, how settled the states were as, as this was coming together. You said it was an economic thing, and that tends to hit everybody yeah. pretty tough. There were a lot of economics was, was the problem. Like down in Georgia is a great example. Georgia was having problems with the Spanish and with the Native Americans. And Georgia was actually contemplating the idea of going to war against Spain and the Seminole tribes by themselves. But they really wanted help from the rest of the country, and that was an economic drain. Massachusetts was like, well, why should we pay for your war? You know, we got enough problems of our Mm -hmm. own up here. And, of course, Rhode Island was like, no. And Georgia's 
plaintive wail that, hey, if, if, if Spain captures us, they're coming after you next. You know, I mean, so there's no united mindset no, at this point. No, there really isn't. Other than we beat the British, we beat the English. We, we, we can, and, and there's almost this attitude of even though the British have forts in our country, we can do it again if we have to. You know, there's, there's a very, very American Minuteman, almost redneck attitude of we'll do it again if we have to. We don't, we don't need an army. We can beat them with what we've got. Forgetting that we had a French army helping us. Yeah, and exactly. that wouldn't happen again. So, quick call before we're done. Line one, you're on with Dave Bowman. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Now, Mark Levin is pushing for a convention of, a, of the states, not not a, not a constitutional convention, but a convention of the states. And what do you think about that? <laughs> oh, thanks for opening that door, Mario. Dave, go right ahead. It'll never work. Uh, it's been tried three times in our history. It, it will not work because there are no limits on it. In other words. Mark Levin and conservatives want a convention of the states because we want the Second Amendment codified. We want a balanced budget amendment. But for every one of us that wants that, there are people who'd want something else. How do you decide who's going to get what? And as you're going to learn over the next five months, it's not easy to iron out a constitution. And the arguments that you're going to see that you don't know about yet will amaze you. And remember that of the 55 men who went, only 39 actually signed it because the others didn't agree with it. And then you still had to go through ratification. Convention of the States is a great idea. It'll never actually work. Are we too divided to be able to do this again ever? Yes. yes. You, could not, you could not pull off this constitutional convention today. You couldn't do it. There's no that way. is interesting to see. Yep. So, again, you're going to be on the road for what? A couple of three weeks now? Three weeks. We'll be gone until I'll be back on June 13th. June 13th. Yeah. And in June the mean, 10th, Dave. Yeah. And in yeah. the meantime, as a matter of fact, yeah. And in the meantime, I will have the next three weeks worth of stories about what's going on at the convention available on my website, plausiblylive.com. Very good. Dave Bowman with Dave Does History every Tuesday on Bill Make Live. Save the next three, but you're still able to catch up with him there. And that'll be fun. By the time we're together again, Dave, I'll have a lot of things under my belt and done that I've been working on for a while. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. Good deal. So, Enjoy the trip, and uh, we'll talk while you're gone. And we'll be into the heat of the summer and when things really start getting fired up at the convention. That'll be fun. Thank you to the McPherson Financial Group. They made the hour possible. Tomorrow, a wide-open Wednesday. Got a couple of holdover things, but tomorrow it's up to you. What do you want to talk about? We'll talk them in the morning starting at 6 on Bill McLive. Enjoy your Tuesday, everybody.